This is Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Live from New York, where the Penguins play the Rangers, it's Serbian reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, what does Evgeny Malkin have to do to get NHL MVP? Uh, well, the first thing he could do is probably push Nikita Kucherov down a flight of steps, and then, you know, there's a lot of different variables in it, including the fact that the Canadian media now seems to be hopping aboard the Taylor Hall bandwagon, uh, of all things. If you take the literal interpretation of the way the Hart Trophy is defined, it's a player who is adjudged to be most valuable to his team. In that context, yeah, the Devils have at least a conversational case, but when you come to you know, who's the actual best player, which is the way the award actually gets presented uh, and voted on, uh, you know, it's going to come down to whether or not Malkin can keep this up. If he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to overtake Kucherov, and then it's just not going to be interesting because people do remember what happened most recently. There is a recency bias in voting. What does Evgeny Malkin have to do to be considered the greatest Russian player ever and is that even possible if you go back to the Red Army days? I, I don't think it is because in, in Russia, and uh, I, I, this is something that I, I learned in covering the Sochi Olympics and seeing the, the movies and the books and the tributes to Valery Harlamov, uh, he, he is held in uh, almost a, a godlike regard uh, by the people there. Uh, the, the Soviet Red Army teams, obviously the you know the KLM line, those those are held in a different regard for different reasons, including the fact that they broke free of the Iron Curtain and came to North America. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is going to end up with way more goals. So that's going to end up you know, skewing that argument in and of itself. However, Evgeny Malkin's claim to fame uh, in this context is that he's going to be a guy who put up a ton of points but also won at least three Stanley Cups uh, there have been other Russians, you know, Sergei Fedorov obviously won a few, uh, who have done a lot of winning in the NHL, but uh, Gino's status, he's going to have to end up, to answer your question directly, Mark, is the highest scoring Russian of all time in terms of points, and I don't think that's going to be easy either, because remember, Ovechkin had the one-year head start, plus Gino missed a lot of time with injuries. Why is Evgeny Malkin on such a tear with Hornquist and Haglin as his line mates? Because I did not see that coming. No, I don't know that ever anyone did, although, you know, again, if you go back to the Ruslan Fedotenko days, uh, it was the straight-line winger approach that worked best for Gino. Mike Sullivan's thinking is that if he has wingers around him who are doing that straight-line forecheck, who are making things happen, then Gino can be more comfortable and safer, I might add, in doing his spinning and twirling and keeping his feet moving the way he has. If you look at the plays that he has set up, some of them, Mark, over the past two months, a lot of them have been made by going backward, you know, by going backward through the offensive zone because he's just constantly creating, constantly in motion. I've asked him about that aspect specifically, and all he says is, I'm skating hard, I'm skating hard. Well, we see that, but the point is, is that he never stops skating. He keeps moving. Even on the power play, Mark, when's the last time you saw a guy on any power play that moved? around as much as Malkin does. Derek Broussard has one goal for Pittsburgh. Ian Cole has two for Columbus. It's a small sample day on, but what does Broussard still have to get right? 
Well, what he needs to get right, I'm going to tell you this. This morning, uh, he was nervous. He's starting to beat himself up a little bit. He's got one goal, one assist through seven games, only only 15 shots on goal, and this despite playing with a guy who's just a human offensive machine right now in Phil Kessel. Uh, I think he just needs to lighten up. Sid stayed on the rink with Broussard for an extra half hour today, just the two of them and Tristan Jari. Uh, not to build up any chemistry. Obviously, they're not even line mates. Uh, but I think mostly just to loosen him up based on a conversation that I had with Sid later. He was trying to you know, keep him away from the New York uh, cameras and microphones for as long as he could, and then by the time those came around, Broussard was just really you know, a little bit edgy, which you can tell is not his natural personality. I think he just needs to have a big game. You know, The one goal that he scored in Pittsburgh was nice, but that wasn't enough. He needs to really start feeling comfortable, and by that, According to these guys and the Rangers that I talked to today, that just means skating. He needs to start getting out of his Ottawa shell and flying around the rink. We're talking today on Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He's brought to you by Walnut Grill. Is Sherry a good fit for Sid on wing? The presumption is yes. I say no. It's good for Sherry, not good for Sid. The production by Sherry is too inconsistent. Why don't you like Sherry on the wing with Sid? Because I think Russ is a better fit. Okay, well, all right. I was going to say I didn't. I, I would be surprised if you had found some sort of flaw there. Uh, well, he's too small. Yeah. He gets he gets rubbed out on giving yeah, goes too often. And, and then what ends up happening is the combination of Sherry and Gensel both being there is you have two guys that are too small out there with him, uh, and they do get knocked around and they do get slowed down rather easily. Uh, that said, uh, Sherry's had legit chemistry with Sid. Uh, he reads him really well and vice versa. So I, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, I do like the idea of Brian Russ being up there, but I also understand what I think, what I've heard here today that Mike Sullivan is considering doing, and that's having Russ on the third line uh, with Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel. Um, if that happens, maybe Russ could be, and I think you said something to this effect at a press conference a little while ago. Russ could be that guy who just kind of solves every line's problems. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, he is, because he can play left, he can play right, mm-hmm. he can play first, second, third, or fourth. But but I, I think he's better at right than he is on the left. I think he's better with Sid than he would be with Broussard. I think he does more for Sid's line than he will for a line with Broussard and Kessler. I think so, too, but I also think that there's an immediate urgency uh, urgency is a little too strong, but maybe not, uh, to get Broussard going. And I think that's the priority here right now. You know what Sid and the kids line can do. Uh, but what you want to see right now is you want to get, you want to see Broussard get going, uh, you know, hopefully for him, uh, tonight and again tomorrow in Montreal. Has Ruedel solved the Penguins' problems on defense? He's certainly done well since getting back in the lineup, hasn't he? Are you coming around on Ruedel, are you? Well, he might be a six. And, and that's all they need him to be. One thing I do like about him, he's right-handed and will continue to be right-handed. I'll tell you what I like best about uh, Chad Ruedel is that his inclusion in the lineup uh, and, and the way that Mike Sullivan structured having uh, Ole Matta with him rather than just going with the obvious has solved not one problem but two because now Jamie Alexiak is back to being his best self because he's with Justin Schultz. Uh, that part, I think, has really just settled everybody down, uh, in addition to the fact that they've gotten, uh, Jacques Martin in particular, has gotten really comfortable with deploying Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin as the quote-unquote shutdown pair. 
you're starting to see the makings of what the playoff defensive pairings will look like, and it, it's nice. And I agree with you. I think Ruiz has been steady, not spectacular. He can still become better uh, in terms of defensive awareness. But we said a lot of the same things about Matt Niskanen at the same stage of his Pittsburgh career, and he's turned out to be a pretty nice NHL player. Yeah, my one complaint with the current defensive setup is uh, having Mata out there to really steady, if not carry, Ruedel has cost Mata minutes, and I think he's been their most consistent defenseman all year. Yeah, it's cost him minutes. It's also cost him rushes up ice. And when Ole Mata was at his like elite version of himself early this season, uh, he was not just joining the rush, he was sometimes leading the rush. Um, he has... Yeah, I don't want to throw Nicholas Lidstrom's name into that, but some of the same patterns. Yeah, don't do that. No, but you know what I mean. Not in terms of performance, obviously. But some of the same patterns in terms of the way he likes to support the rush, the way he likes to make plays happen up the left side. That's when he's at his best. I haven't seen him look comfortable doing that since he's been paired with Ruedel. But then, again, like you said, when you're the third pairing, they're, they're not asking that much from you. Uh, no Steelers news today in free agency, uh, aside from people like Chris Hubbard leaving. Uh, the Steelers are slow playing free agency, like always, yet people talk about big signings. You think would have learned by now? I don't know about that, Mark. I mean, they were pretty aggressive last year with the trades and everything, closer to the the season starting. Uh, I mean, that's as aggressive as we've ever seen them in an off season, and that, those count, too, those ones in training camp. Uh, I, I think they have set the table for themselves to be aggressive, certainly with the secondary. I mean, I don't think any of us could have been surprised at Mike Mitchell being released, but Robert Golden is a guy who was pretty valuable to Danny Smith's special teams, and he at least knew the system as a safety when he had to go out there. To me, that's a sign between those guys and then Carnell Lake, either depending on who you believe, walking away or being pushed out, that Mike Tomlin's had it with the secondary that he wants to see something completely different. Now, obviously, it's not a total overhaul because you still got Joe Hayden and you still got uh, the two young guys and Sean Davis and Artie Burns, but there's work to be done now. They have to bring in real live players, and it can't just be drafted. Well, can they afford real live players? I mean, Tyrone Matthew, who got released by Arizona, would mm-hmm. be an ideal fit in safety, but they He's can't the afford first him. Guy. First guy I thought of, Mark, you know? Well, they're not going to pay him, Dayon, so don't think about him. I don't know. I mean, we've said that in the past, and then they've surprised us. I, I you know, I think really. What have they surprised us uh, to that degree? You've seen them sign free agents. You saw them sign guys last year. You saw them trade for expensive guys. They got Joe Hayden just because it wasn't, you know, the, the most conventional like second day of free agency doesn't mean it doesn't count. Yeah, but Tyrone uh, Matthew will be gone if they wait. I, I, you know what? I, I, I don't doubt that. I'm just saying that. I, they, look, they've made a lot of moves in the past three days uh, to cut on their salary cap commitments. Yesterday was Alejandro Villanueva. Today, again, you know, Robert Gold is not much of a savings. He was at 1.475, but you at least get to pile on a little bit more, and you could always restructure. I'm saying that there's a chance that they could make an impact move here. I believe that. I think that's what this is pointing towards. You can't get, Put it this way, Mark. You can't get a safety in the draft and just throw him out there. You know, I mean, Sean Davis took a little while at least. I think it's hard to get a center field type safety who has to understand the entire defense and everything about it be your last line back there and say, well, we're just going to get him in the draft and see how he looks in Latrobe. Dayon, we've got a billion commercials. We've got to wrap this up. It's always a pleasure. All right, Mark. 
That's Dayan Kovacevic. Check him out at his sports website, dkpittsburghsports.com. Now it's time to ask Mark anything. Anything at all, 412-333-WXDX.